outside we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to episode four of Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I am Joe Murata, and with me, as always, is Michael Quinn. Back for another week. Back for another week, and we're here to talk to you about wrestling, the things we remember, and some things we wish we didn't. We have over 40 years, Quinn, of combined fandom, and t- today we'll be talking about some of those things. So many years. So many years. It was uh, it was a great show last week. I'm hoping for another great show, another good hour talking to you, Quinn. Hey, I had a great time last week. I, I did didn't too. want to stop. I didn't week. either. Actually, I, I kind of wanted to keep going. I could do this forever, but we uh, we only have one hour of airtime, folks. Yeah, the the sponsors, you know, our sponsors, Bin for Tools, I believe, is yeah, one of them. Well, Lord Alfred and his promotional consideration. Lord Alfred, so Coliseum he, Video. Yeah, Coliseum Video. He's, he really is keeping tabs on, you know, the length of this. Yeah, we can't get out of control here, folks. We don't have our own network. You no, know? no, no. Not yet, anyway. Not yet. It's only episode four. It's up to you, fans. <laughs> it is. So uh, I started last week, so Quinn, it's your ball to start here. Tell me about a missed opportunity. Well, um, I thought this one, I, th- I think this is an interesting one, and um, I always wonder why they never do it, and I, I, I kind of bring it up a lot. Um you know how, well, we all know how the WWE bought WCW in 2001, I Yeah, believe? it was great. Yeah, and it, you know, we had <laughs> we briefly mentioned that it didn't really work out the way um, it, it should have. No, it but didn't. But this is, this is a more minute part of the invasion that bothered me, and I didn't want to, we can talk about the whole invasion another time, but. Good. This was the, <laughs> the thing I thought that they didn't do right was they didn't bring the television title to the WWE. <laughs> now, the TV title, folks, if you're not familiar, was a was a title in WCW that was hotly contested. You know, great match. It, it was always known to me as the workers' title. That's true. A lot of great workers had it. Your Arn Andersons. Lord Steven Regal. Your Lord Steven Regal's. Um, DDP. DDP, yeah. A lot of good people. Like Booker T. Johnny B. Bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, uh, well, people we can't mention on this podcast had it, but... Mm. Yeah, but, you know, like, a lot of good, just solid wrestlers. It was known for that. I liked that it had a, I believe it was a 15-minute time, time limit, limit, which was great for television. It Honestly, was, actually. It put levi- it, not only did it, was it, it made sense because it's TV. We can't put that much time to it. Sure. But at the same time, it put levity on the time limit. You had to finish up by the time limit. A lot of times the champions would get away with, you know, inspiring yeah, the time yep, limit. Absolutely. That was... Um, a fixture of, I believe, I guess WCW Saturday Night for a long right. time, and that's uh, that made that show. I, I you could main event any Saturday night with that title, and it was just there. That's and the true. other the other provision, I believe, was it just had to be defended on TV. It couldn't be defended in a house show kind of right. atmosphere. That right. Would, at least they said that. I don't know it, how. Yeah, I don't know what the I don't know that WCW in general had the scope of house shows that WWF well, did anyway. They definitely did when the, the TV title was started in, in I eight, believe eighty five or something like that. Maybe even earlier. I don't know, but. So maybe Maybe slightly earlier. Was Tully Blanchard the NWA TV champion? I want to say he had it at some he point. He had it, right? Wasn't that when he was right around the time he, like he initially formed? He initially had the U.S. title and maybe the national heavyweight title at some point, oh, too. Okay. But he didn't have... I, I don't... I'm not going to say with authority, unless, you know, we look it up on Google or something, that he had the TV title. But Arn Anderson, definitely. Yeah, Arn like, Anderson. He's known That's as, like, the, the yeah. big TV champion. 
Oh, Steve Austin had it, too. Steve Austin had it. Yeah, a lot of guys had it, and, I mean, it was just always hotly contested, and I thought it would fit perfectly in the WWE. It was one of the weird, like, they kept the U.S. title, but they didn't take the TV title, and I thought the TV title was probably the better um, WCW title. The more viable option at that point. Well, I'll be honest with you. I never considered that. I think it's a good idea in theory on paper, but one thing you have to remember about 2001 WWF is that they had still at this point a European title, yeah, the hardcore title, the cruiserweight title that they had brought in from WCW. I think yeah. they even kept the light heavyweight for a little bit. They merged them at one point, and that was only a temporary measure. That was like part of the, the merging of the titles thing. Right. Like the U.S. and I want to say the, the U.S. and the Intercontinental somehow got combined at some point but then they broke it back out again the it got it gets foggy for me title lineage and all that around like 010203 right but i know you had said we were talking one day i remember you had said something about how the european went into the intercontinental i think so so then they really kind of just broke it down to there's an intercontinental and there's a us right so all right so let's say you're you have control of everything in 2001 what titles would you have had what titles would i've had yeah um they weren't doing broad SmackDown by that nope. point, right? No, nope. I'm almost positive. And so you would have a flurry of titles. A flurry, folks. Yeah, but I would have, like, at the end of... You know how, like, they brought them all in at first? Yeah. I would have still done that, but when the surface was, like, like everything was gone, I would have just had the Intercontinental title, the... You call, just specifically called the Unified WWE... Championship or whatever or F at the time, yeah. Heavyweight championship, so just the world title, obviously. right? Obviously, so the Intercontinental Unified, like they need. I always thought it was very important that they had mentioned that, yo, this has like this has the WCW lineage and it has the WWE. I thought it made it feel more important. I agree. Um, so I would have done that still, which they have, they did that until they broke out later, but right. Um, as far as the second mid-card title, I would have somehow done something to phase the TV title into the European and make it TV title rules. Okay. And I wouldn't have even... I know the, I know a lot of people like the Cruiserweight title, but I think by that point they didn't have the Cruiserweights, at least in 2001, because Mysterio wasn't there yet, and like the guys known for right. that title weren't yeah. there yet. That's true. To, they take, didn't... to hang on to it. Yeah, and Malenko like, was barely wrestling by then. Yeah, so it wasn't... It's not that the Cruiserweight title was bad. I think it, it is one of my favorite WCW titles, but it just, there wasn't anybody to handle it. That's a good point. I liked it. I liked the Cruiserweight title a lot in WCW. Yeah, I did. I, I, I think it's one of the best titles I ever had. That was one of the best things about mid-late 90s WCW. Oh, yeah, cruiserweight yeah definitely. I, 100%, even in 97, which you know I don't like. Yeah, and, <laughs> and the other thing, so I would have just had four titles. I think I've always thought four titles is the cleanest. So the tag titles, I would have just said... The unified tag titles, something champions like that. Champions of both WWF and WCW, right, there's right. a lineage. Because the WCW tag titles also had a pretty strong lineage. Yeah, I don't know. What are some famous WCW WCW world tag champions? I guess Harlem the, Heat. All right, good point. Road Warriors. Road Warriors. Um, Arn and Tully. Yeah, Outsiders. Outsiders. If you want to count yeah, them. I, people consider them a big deal. Steiners. Uh, like Doom. Like, I know there's some other, but they're the, the Hollywood Blondes. Okay. Yeah, there were a lot of good, good, good WCW tag champions, so it would have been beneficial to say this is the this has both the combined lineage of the WWF and WCW tag team titles. Yeah. So, like I said, all of this sounds great on paper. Right. <laughs> 
But we're talking about a time where, I mean, anyone could have been any champion at that point. Remember when, I think it was 01, where Jeff Hardy won the Intercontinental title and then Triple H beat him for it or something like that? It was yeah, just like a well, weird They were doing some weird time. I think... I think a lot of that came from they were figuring out themselves what to do with all these titles. Mm-hmm. And maybe some of the thinking partially at the time was, oh, maybe we'll go with the, maybe we'll switch it up, go with the U.S. title instead of the Intercontinental title. It's right. like, because that, I like that because in some way you need to say the WCW title maybe in this case was more important. Even okay. if it wasn't, I know we're partial to the WWF and yeah. we love the Intercontinental title. But for the sake of like giving WCW some credibility, I think maybe it is important to say maybe one of their titles carries over. I agree. I also think in general the whole invasion angle could have benefited from giving WCW some credibility. Oh, without question. I still to this day thought that they should have just completely replaced SmackDown and called it Nitro or something. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if – remember when they did one hour of – I think it was SmackDown or maybe it was Raw. They did it one time and they did it like WCW. Yeah, they had the announcers and everything. Scott Hudson was there. I I thought that was – that's what they should have done from the beginning. I thought it should have been a dual brand thing. I think that was an experiment. The crowd totally shat on it. Well, they people were still a little like butt sore from the feud. I think <laughs> you know what I mean. Like butt sore from the whole yeah. WCW versus WWF. I thought you were talking about the Kiss My Ass Club. <laughs> no, but people just wanted it to be like a. They were like, no, WWF won. It was so weird. The way that was booked is pure Vince because WCW really could have been. The faces, if they wanted, to yeah, book they were it the they were the underdogs. Yeah, they came in and you know people they had just come off two bad years, and now the WWF can book them and actually make them good. But instead, they, they just they make them. Oh look, they're laughing stock. You know, yeah, like I didn't like it. I didn't like that. That is actually, folks, the angle that, believe it or not, turned me off for a while from wrestling. It did because me too. It was just so boring. It didn't really make much sense. Like, why is Steve Austin in WCW, ECW? Remember, they like teamed up. That was yeah. weird. Well, okay, I could get, I, I could get behind the defections. That stuff didn't bother me. I think the stuff that bothered me more was Stephanie and Shane. Like, yeah, how running did this it? become the McMahons? Exactly. <laughs> it should have never done that. What was that? They could. Why was it so hard to sign Eric Bischoff at the time? To lead the charge for W, so you could finally see Eric Bischoff versus Vince McMahon with their like forces, like you know, hitting each other. You know, <laughs> thunderclap. Yeah, thunderclap. Yeah, I think um, hindsight being twenty twenty and all, and that so it's easy for us to sit here in our basement and say this. <laughs> but man, if they could have just waited until about a year later, they yeah. would have had Hall Nash, right? Yeah, um, what's Hogan. the other guy? Hogan. <laughs> Who's that other guy? Yeah. Um, Bischoff. Maybe even if they could have pulled Goldberg and Scott Steiner in a little earlier. Not made DDP a stalker. What was that? They wasted DDP. He still had a year or two of good Uh, left. Yeah, I know. He was older, but he was still... He had a little left. was good when he was older in the first place. He was always older, I feel like. (laughs) He was always like 50. Yeah, and this is not really to discuss... The invasion too I much, know. and it's more about the TV title. But right. I just think the TV title in general could have. It really always to me elevated lower mid carders. One hundred percent agree. A lot more than any title the WWE had, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really, it really just it seemed competitive. I wouldn't say it was. It seemed super important, 
But the idea of this very hotly competitive title always just a very appealing. It was one of the only titles you could do hot switches on and it wouldn't ruin the belt. It made it like, well, this is competed for like every week. So it's like it makes sense that it would switch a little more frequently. Right. That You know what? That's a great point. I um. I too like the TV title. I don't know that I have quite the soft spot that you uh, did yeah, for it. Yeah, it, it was it was a real. When I first started watching WCW, it was really like I really liked it. Like I, it was, I did too. It was one of the major differences between WWF and WCW for me. Yep. And I just I fell in love with it. I was like, this is great. I felt like when I started watching WCW, which was the same time you did around yeah. '95, I, I stumbled into it a few months after me, WWF. Same around time. Same time. Um, yeah. It seemed to me, you know, a nine, ten-year-old fan, to be more important than the U.S. title. It did, it did, right? Because yeah. it was just, it was always out front, really. Right, it just, right. It felt like it was a premier title, and sure. it was something they showcased because it was unique. So you just wish they would have brought that along with them, instead. Yeah, instead of what they had done, I, I think it, if if you're really gonna look at it, you say, don't bring the cruiserweight, bring the TV title. Right. Yeah. You know what? That's a really, really interesting take and i can't say i disagree i just don't know if they had done it would it have gotten the respect it deserved yeah well because you know the whole dug and finding it in the garbage can thing and <laughs> there was just a lot of they <laughs> even wc yeah even wcw disrespected it near the end which was i got that was one of the things that believe it or not it wasn't some of the, sh- the the crappy stuff going on in WCW that turned me off. It was the utter disrespect of the television title. No that way. I- yeah, it really did. I I can a lot of times pinpoint when the TV title disappeared and the Duggan finding it in the garbage can thing to like really when I got to the point when I was like, really? Like, <laughs> this is what I loved about this company and they're going to disrespect that. So David Arquette, the LWO, um, that, that was that no, DJ the, guy, the Kiss Demon, all these things. That was fine, but the TV title. Got no, but that stuff garbage. came out more after because I believe it was in '98. Scott Hall threw it in the dumpster because he had the U.S. title and the TV title, so he just jettisoned one of them, if I recall. That's how they did that. Yeah, and Scott Hall threw it in the dumpster because it was supposed to be like I'm disrespecting WCW. Right. But they do the hacks, crappy hacksaw, like janitor hacksaw finds it in the trash. It, why was he the janitor? Because they were like, it was something with how Bischoff was in control, and they were like, like he was just disrespecting Hacksaw because he was like a WCW favorite or whatever. So he's like, he fired him or whatever, and then he was like, well, you can still work for us, but you got to be the janitor. The janitor of WCW. Yeah. That's a lot of shit to clean up, folks. Right. Well, the TV title had 15-minute time limits, and so does our <laughs> first segment. So we will be back right after this. Have no fear, the son of plumbers. And what's going on, baby? What can I do for you? Thank God you're here. I'm here to check your plumbing. You know that. Now, let me ask you a couple questions. Is the dinger dinging? No, the dinger's not dinging. Is the ringer ringing? And the ringer's not ringing. Is that water, like, I, I'm trying to think now, is it like real crystal clear? You know what I'm talking about, Mama? No. It's not? No. Is it brown? It's bad. Dark, dark brown. You talking about chocolate brown? I got just a thing. We got to fix this, mama. Woo-wee. Woo, yeah. Oh, baby. Whoa, Lottie. Honey, open door. Open door. I got something for you. Woo-wee. Oh, yeah. Look at it. What? What I do? What I do? Let me get this out and show you. What I do? I did the first ever triple party bypass. All right, we're back, and it's time for our next segment. This is overrated. This is where we're going to talk about something that's overrated. Pretty simple. 
There so, we go. So, Quinn, I am going to handle this one. Okay. Sable. 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 Yeah, I think Sable's overrated her whole damn career. You think? I do. What do you think? I'm a little torn on this one. Really? Um, not necessarily. Well, you know what? Tell me, tell me why you think Sable's overrated first okay. before I before I go into why maybe she isn't. I don't think she was that talented. I honestly don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna argue with you about in-ring talent or anything like that. Because a lot of that, honestly, was just booking. All they did was make her like. I'm talking the period of time in like '97, '98, where okay. she was a face. Right. All they did was make her look like a big bitch, but she was a face, right? Wait, she, are you, you're talking about when she was face at first? Yeah. Okay. She was like, and I, again, maybe she was right. Rightfully pissed off at Mark Merrow. Oh, I get it made that. sense in the story. That made I sense. mean, the whole potato bag thing and yeah, all that this. Was that, yeah, he was wrong. He's yeah. clearly a heel there. I mean, it was pretty screwed up stuff as but far as like it male and female things go. And it had to be Russo. Yeah. And, and it was good. I liked it. But yeah. I just, the way they booked her was to look like unstoppable. But like, I always thought, and again, I'm talking through the perspective of a 12 year old fan when I was watching this. Okay. Luna should have kicked her ass. Or Jacqueline, even. Or Jacqueline. Yeah. Like, they, they should have, you know, wiped the floor with her, so, so to speak. Hmm. It's just all, like, she just never did it for me. I didn't think she was that attractive. She had the big fake, you know what? Yep. The, you know? the tatas, right? She, yeah, the big fake. <laughs> <laughs> the TTs. The TTs. <laughs> Uh, Quinn got me. <laughs> yeah, she had the big fake tatas. And I just thought she had an annoying voice, couldn't cut a yeah. promo. She was a natural heel because she seems like such a bitch. I get you the there. The character, anyway. Um, I felt it went there and they appropriately changed her heel once it went a yeah, little too far. Yeah, right. But on the other hand, I will say this about Sable. Okay. And there's a couple things about Sable. Is, is I felt... That they portrayed her initially like a Miss Elizabeth, where she was yeah. she was harmless. The first and year. The whole thing with her being unstoppable was really kind of built out of, like, she had been abused, basically, by Mark Marrow. Not in, like, a okay. physical manner, but, like, a, just, a, you know. Humiliated. Humiliated Emotional mentally. Abuse. Yeah. yeah, sure. And I felt like it was, like, it was kind of for women to say, you know, you go, girl. Like, you, like, okay, like, she's. She's she's not she's not just the woman in the fancy dress on the side, you know. She's right. something she can hold. She's her the own. one with the paint on her boobs. <laughs> yeah, on her well, tatas and her teeth. And that and like, say what you will about that, but that was during a time when they were trying to get ratings, and that and they did that moment. I will never forget the painted hand marks on her boobs thing. You like, hear that, folks? Quinn will never forget that. As a as a young sh- kid, there as a youngster, as a youngster, you know, just approaching puberty, <laughs> you know, it was it was something, all right. <laughs> uh, I'd never seen anything like that on television. I'll tell <laughs> yeah, you that that's much. That's true. I mean, that was a big deal. But again, is that her legacy? Having the kind having of. the tatas and the tatas, but and the titis. Uh, okay, but and the woo-hoos? Here's the thing. <laughs> and the woos. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. It's like. They didn't. Before that, their only strong female character was Sunny. I wouldn't even call her a strong, strong. Well, initially female character. she was. She was a she was a manager that was taking advantage of the the heels, who wanted to wanted success, and they they had basically like set a precedent where Sable or Sunny, Sable, Sunny, Sunny for that matter could could lead a team to a tag title. 
because she was distracting. And she was presented as a very good manager, too. Right, exactly. But Sable wasn't a good manager. Sable was just that annoying lady in black leather with a whip. Well, she was more like, a, like I said, she wasn't a good man. Elizabeth wasn't a good manager. She was like a, no. a good support, right? True. And that's what Sable was portrayed as. And the transformation was the story, was, oh, she can kick ass. like. Which I just didn't believe. It wasn't believable to me. You didn't believe me. it, right? And again, I'm speaking... From and that's at fair. The time. That's at the time. Yes, I didn't. and that's totally fair. It's just I kind of. It never really offended me because we had no, we didn't have any real precedence with the females of that era anyway. In WWF anyway, yeah. right? So it wasn't like there was some established thing that, oh, Jacqueline is some big deal or I mean I knew her from WCW briefly. Yeah, so did I. And um, and the the after mags used to like talk yeah, about her and stuff. But it wasn't like I was like. I didn't find it so unbelievable that Sable would do it. And they treated it like an upset, if I recall, at um, when it first happened. I guess they did. I just got sick of her very quickly in 1998 as a fan yeah. at the time. And I was not sad to see her go when they got rid of her in 99. Eh, I mean, I, fair, she was a little out of control at the end. And I, I, I heard there was stuff backstage, too, wasn't there? I, I assume She wanted that's a bunch true. of money, if I, I recall, something I like guess. that. To be fair, and her wanting more money, if if that was the case, mm-hmm. she was being marketed on like tape boxes and stuff. Like she deserved to get paid. Yeah. Um. She was she was driving sales and ratings. I agree. Here's in that in that, in that to be fair to her. Maybe I slightly begrudge her because Sunny from nineteen ninety five until about nineteen ninety seven when Sable emerged is an infinitely better. Oh, she was so much better. Promo a better. In ring perfor- like performer, I mean, but I'm gonna everything add a, about Sonny was better. better I'm gonna looking. add a big butt on that. Okay, not a she, big tata though. No, no, <laughs> she did it to herself. Why she wasn't there anymore? Tammy. Tammy. She did, and and I I love her. Like I love Tammy, but she she was on drugs, and and she could not be relied upon. Do you think that's why they phased her out? Because they were they, I do they think coexisted. They were still there. They were for they about went with Sable because they could market her and she wouldn't flake out on them. You really think that's what it was? I mean, I don't know. I I one hundred percent believe that. It's a good theory. Yeah. See, I would have believed a Jacqueline or a like a Medusa in yeah. that role, or of course my girl Bull Nakano, which <laughs> by the way, Bull, thanks for the retweet. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate thanks, that. Bull. Um I could believe that, but Sable just it. She just never did it for me. And you know what? That's fair. But I, I also think Sable was a pivot too. Like I was saying, because Sonny flaked out. They didn't really. Sable was the next in line. I know. Just I, I like Sonny so much more. Will you admit that Sable was professional? In the in, I, in, in whereas they would I, give her something, she would do the. She you know she didn't. There wasn't anything weird going on. I never I really mean, as heard. As far as I know, yeah, I'll yeah, give her that. Yeah, sure. She. she but remember when she came back around 2003? Yeah. And that was weird. That was weird. But I think they were trying to say like a lot of that I always felt was that they were they were thought they'd get a big pop because Sable was such a big deal only like two years, two or three years prior or something. But, and they yeah. it didn't really equate. And Sable, she was older when she was doing it. Yeah. Initially. Yeah. And she just there was younger divas now. And it, it didn't it, she, it didn't. And that's not to say Sable was still beautiful. It was just, there was, mm. you could kind of, you felt like she was lagging behind the other ones, you know? Was she already with Lesnar by then when she came in? No, she met Lesnar when she did that. Oh, is that true? Yeah. Okay. 
All I know from that era of Sable is that she seemed to just constantly be stripping for Vince McMahon. On <laughs> yeah. On screen. Yeah. There's a lot of inappropriateness about all of that, too. And yeah. I think nowadays it would not fly. I mean, no. I look back at it now as an adult and I'm like, wow, this is like really screwed up. Like, yeah. I, like I can't believe that kids were watching this. Like, it was like leak over from the Attitude Era yeah. when they still hadn't gotten past that hump yet. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was before the more kid friendly era. I'm so era. into this Divas revolution. I know, I know it's too. not booked properly, but still the stuff down in NXT is pretty strong. I feel oh, at least. Yeah. This... Even even they have a new crop coming in, and they treat them like okay, we're gonna pick the best ones like wrestling, not like looks or anything like that. I like that. I'll tell you when we went to NXT in February. Oh, it and was we got great. to see um, we Bailey? saw we saw Bailey, which was awesome. What do you think of Alexa Bliss? I love Alexa Bliss. I think, I think she's, she's beautiful. I think she's too. a little underrated, honestly. Yeah, Alexa Bliss is great. She won't be the underrated on this episode. But. No, no. Um, Bailey, I think is wonderful. I love Sasha Banks. Yeah, I think she's fantastic. I think Becky Lynch is fantastic. I think Becky Lynch is fantastic. And Charlotte's okay. I mean, yeah. honestly, I'm not a huge fan of Charlotte. And you know, just a shout out to some of the other NXT divas down there right now. I. I like a couple of them. Um, I think these the, the Australian girls down there are kind of good. I liked Emma too, but I'm I was yeah, talking I about Emma. Peyton, Peyton Royce, Royce and yeah. Billy Kay are pretty Billy good. Kay. Yeah, um, yeah, I know. So they're the future's bright, and but I mean for Sable, Sable, I will say this about her: she put females in the forefront for a brief time. Her and China. Yeah, China had a yeah and. And Deborah, I mean, yeah, she didn't Deborah, wrestle, yeah. but Deborah but was. I'm, I'm, maybe she didn't put them up front for the right reasons, like I said with yeah, looks. Yeah, I can stuff. think of two. And and that's kind of where I was uh, going with the O2 when she came back thing is that because right. the way they were portraying women, it just didn't seem right that Sable was there. And that's not again not a knock on her. It's just you know she didn't look like she belonged there anymore. No, she know? didn't. Yeah, she just looked out of place. That's all. I just yeah, I just can't think of any. Other than the body paint, <laughs> uh, yeah, the body the body paint's what you remember the most, and that's to me that's not really a legacy, you know. I guess it's a cool moment. Uh, you know what was a cool moment? I I want to say she did either a power bomb or a Frankensteiner or something. That was cool. She did a power bomb to Mark Marrow, but yeah, and you know, I guess if you want to break kayfabe there, you know, Marrow's doing most of the work there, right? <laughs> but it, it still was. Even as a kid, that was cool. Like I was like, he's a big slimy heel, and his his girl power bombed him. That's cool. I guess. You know, I don't know if I liked so it as a kid. He'd been he so had, abusive he was terrible. for so long. He was. He, he, he deserved was the power bomb. He really was an asshole. Yeah, that character. I like the character. I love that he's character. He's a classic slimy heel, but you marvelous know. Mark Mar- He's the one that once said, "Butterbean, you fat piece of crap." <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of my favorite that, lines. That, that's a great soundbite right <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, I gotta get that yeah, one. Yeah, that's a Butter good bean, one. Butterbean, that um, fat <laughs> tub of crap. Yeah, and I'll also give Sable this. She is part of a great, fun mixed tag match at WrestleMania 14. I think she is. I really like that match. And you know what? If that hadn't have been Russo, if we were talking about simpler times, if you remember Mero and Sable won, and they were almost like cordial with each other. Yeah. If that had been a little bit earlier, pre-Attitude Era type stuff, they would have reconciled there, and it would have been great. And that would have been the end of that storyline. Right. They win together, and Marl's, Meryl's like, Morrow. I respect you, Marl. <laughs> Were you talking yeah. no, about <laughs> But Meryl's like, I respect Morrow. you now, and you know you can really hang, and you're my manager. Wouldn't that have been great? That really would have been kiss, great. And yep. It's like Macho Man and Elizabeth. Yep. That yeah. really would have been sweet. Except it's an Elizabeth that can you know beat up people. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I just... Sable to me is overrated uh, in terms of 
and maybe by the company itself, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't think the company holds her as in high regards as they used to. I mean, <laughs> if you notice, they, they inducted Sonny, but I don't think they inducted Sable into the Hall of Fame. No, I don't think they did. And I don't know if there's a relationship issue there or maybe a conflict of interest because of Brock or something. I don't know. Yeah, but, but Brock is there. Right, but maybe they don't – I know they, they had a problem with Sable before, and maybe they, they don't want to do something where they people will think Brock pressured them into Hall of Faming Sable or it will take away maybe. from Sable's merits. I do think she does deserve a place. I, you know, I really respect her for – dealing with the stuff she probably had to deal with at the time okay um because she was presented like just you know hot that's yeah, it that's eye all candy, the, yeah eye candy titillation and you know that's just it's just not right you know and yeah. tts and tatas exactly for the peepees yeah that's a good time to end this segment yeah <laughs> let's <laughs> let's get over to underrated quinn what do you got for me this week okay what i got for you is more uh a subject in wrestling that I, I think is underrated. Ooh, all yeah. right. I think maybe a genre. I don't know what you'd call it. Let's find out. I think that the concept and all of them in general of jobbers is underrated. Ooh, I like that. All yes. right. I'm with you. I really think it's so important to have jobbers. I'm with you. I'm with you on this. I think we agree. I am, I am to the point where I think some prominent jobber should be inducted in the Hall of Fame. Who do you think? Brooklyn Brawler without Brooklyn question. Brooklyn Brawler should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think some off the top yeah, of my Barry head. Barry like, Horowitz? Like a Moondog Spot or something like that. Moondog Spot. Or Rex. What's the one that always would yeah, job? Spot, but no. No, I always thought he was just a, he, he looked like a threatening jobber. I, 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 if you're going to put him in the Hall of Fame, put him in with the Moondogs. Okay, yeah. Mo- Not as Wait, a jobber. Wait, did the Moondogs go in? Didn't they go so. in in like the early days? Actually, no. Am I am I imagining? That? I don't think they they weren't good. Okay. Well, they were tag champions, but yeah. that doesn't make them good. Well, I just remember Spotty was always the like. He was a perennial. Yeah, I, I liked know. him. I liked him as a jobber. That's all. But I always thought here's the thing, is if you go back and watch a superstars or uh, early raw too, or early raw prime time mm-hmm. um, challenge, challenge all that. It. The reason why jobbers work so well is is because. And a lot of wrestling fans now don't understand this. And yeah. that's not a knock on them. They just haven't been presented. They weren't, yeah, they weren't brought up with it. Right. The idea, the reason a jobber is so good, and go watch NXT if you want to see how that's supposed to be done in the modern time. Right, yeah. But the reason why it's so good is because it gives a chance for talent to establish their movesets. Absolutely. To establish that they're actually a threat. Yep. Um, you can make even talents, you can make undercard talents establish themselves for weeks so that when an a higher guy up the food chain beats it's, him he seems like a reputable opponent correct. because he's been putting away jobbers for weeks absolutely like for example folks you know back in the earlier days you would have someone like the berserker kick right. jobbers asses all the time right. But he would never want a match on pay-per-view. Right. He would never beat one of the legitimate talents. So it would make right. your higher-ups look better because, okay, this guy's kind of – he's making a name for himself. He's stringing some wins together on, on the televised programming. Yeah. And, oh, you know, maybe he can rise up. Exactly. Or he will fall. But it will it will ultimately make the winner look better no matter what. That's true. It was a different time back then where even people that you would never see win a pay-per-view match – They'd get to do their yeah. finisher. Right. You get to hear their music. You know, like nowadays, it, it was cool. Nowadays, if a guy is an up and comer, and maybe he's not ready yet to beat a main event guy, 
he doesn't even you don't even get to see his move because he loses, but he's still hyped as a new superstar, which doesn't even make any sense. To right, me. I know. I, I always have a problem with that. I just think jobbers are an essential part of the business, and I think they don't get enough recognition. I think there was burnout with jobbers in the mid nineties. Well, not um, only that, I think the competition from from Nitro because Nitro rarely had jobbers. As we would think of them, but even WCW during that time, WCW did, jobbers did but on Ni- Saturday night, right? But Nitro didn't. Nitro and did. Raw had to really step up their right. game. So I think the elimination of jobbers was a necessary evil. Right. Now, if you recall, and this maybe some people don't know this, uh, I don't certainly can't begrudge you for not watching Raw in the latter half mm. of 1996, right? Um, because it certainly hadn't been good for most of 1996. But right. they brought in, uh, I think it was five guys. To be kind of jobbers with gimmicks, and they and were I, I, Tom Brandy. Yeah, I know this. I Salvatore just heard Sincere. Talk. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Alex the Pug Porto. Uh huh. T. L. Hopper. Freddie Joe Floyd, which was Tracy Smothers. Yeah. I guess they had some deal with Cornette, right? Those are a well, of those are from Smoky what Mountain I understand, guys. it was Cornette's idea. Okay, that uh, makes it was sense. Cornette's actually. idea on the booking committee, and he said, "What we need to do is to bring in these older guys." And we're going to establish them with some wins for a couple of weeks. Yep. And then they're going to eventually lose to guys, but it's going to enhance our upper card talent because these guys now have been established and the fans will know that they aren't like jobber jobbers. Yeah, they have gimmicks. They ha- at they're least. gimmicked jobbers. And I mean, obviously the idea didn't really work because people just were like, why is there a plumber? Like, well, we- okay, this is interesting. Why does this short guy have the Steiner Brothers music? There's an interesting story to that. And right. I'm, gl- I'm actually glad you brought this up because I just, I literally just listened to Cornette talk about this like this week. Okay. Um, He had said, Cornette's idea initially was not to give them the goofy gimmicks. He wanted them to look legitimate. Oh, but okay. Vince, Vince, because he thought he looked at them as well. If they're good, Vince knew the script. Obviously, he knew mm-hmm. they were going to be jobbers. So I need to give them gimmicks like they are jobbers. <sighs> so it and then it broke Cornette's whole idea. And then because obviously it didn't work mm-hmm. because of the the gimmicks kind of broke the whole thing really yes because it didn't work they never really tried it again i think it turned people off to see a freaking plumber like no right. like we even teal hopper was somebody else right T- tony anthony tony and dirty white boy dirty white boy that's what Corn- mm-hmm. yeah cornet called just bring as dirty white boy right just yeah who cares just called friend of joe floyd tracy smothers right and just and you can say oh they're they're establishing other wrestling promotions around the world and you know they're coming to bring their talents wwe that would have been fine yeah and they win a couple matches and then job them to you know whoever the undertaker whoever they want to job them to i don't know if the goon the goon might have been one of those guys right and he was also an established guy elsewhere i think he teamed Uh, they completely broke him when they gave him the ice skates oh god remember we talked about that and i fell for it yeah See, again, I don't begrudge you for not watching this part of 96 if you didn't, folks. But that's a sore spot for jobbers, in my opinion. I think in the mid-90s, I think a high spot for jobbers. I really liked what WCW did with their jobbers. I was always a fan of that. I know they gave them gimmicks, but they never— Not as much. Not as flamboyant. They weren't as flamboyant. I mean, you had your hole-in-one Darsos and stuff like that. The Gambler was awesome. The Gambler's a cool gimmick. That is one of my favorite yeah. jobbers of all time is the but gambler. They treated them like athletes that were coming in and like yeah. they could it's it's almost like in a weird in a weird analogy, it's like punch out, right? <laughs> like, you know how like Little Mac has to fight the guys in the minor circuit? 
right. the beginning. Yeah. These are the guys in the minor circuit in wrestling. So like, this is Glass Joe. These are the this Glass Joe. This is Von Joe. Kaiser. These are uh, Don Flamenco and all this, you know? <laughs> or, you know, that kind of thing. Or Bold Bull, you know? like hey, Bold Bull was good. Right. So you have your you have your jobber jobbers. You got your... They used to be called back then jobber to the stars, the JTTSs. Yes, that would be like... A uh, Tito Santana. Your Coco Beware. Right. Your your pre Bret Hart feud Owen Hart people yeah, like WWE, that. It's weird that that Cornette thing failed because it's not like they hadn't done that successfully. It's like that's what you said. The Berserker was that the mm-hmm. you know Coco Beware and that kind of Skinner. thing. I think even even if you go further back, wasn't S D Jones kind of like he would be regular jabronis? I like, think he would uh, be like less established jobbers. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But he never won an important match. Although I do have some of my most hated jobbers like Jose Luis Rivera. Oh yeah, he, he and stinks. Who's that other guy that? Uh, Johnny Rods. Oh, uh, you don't like Johnny Rods? Eh, not I really. kind of like Johnny Rods. You like Johnny he's Rods? He's a Hall of Famer, too. Is it because he's unpredictable? He's so unpredictable. <laughs> I like Johnny Rods. What, I have what's no... he going to do? Probably not win. <laughs> not win, but the thing with Johnny Rods to me only was that I never really saw him ever win. Because that, that you got to go dig in the seventies or something. That would be unpredictable. You got yeah, you got to go dig really far to see Johnny Rods win. But <laughs> apparently, he did win according to Gorilla, so I just believed it. So Gorilla probably said that in. His opening match, though, with, you know, Jose Luis Rivera would be a main event anywhere in the country. So Something like that, yeah. You know, the way Gorilla was. But, yeah. Hanging and, from the rafters. And I, I do think it's just it's just a very, like, it's a lost thing. And I'm glad to see NXT bring it back. But I hope it – I'm starting to hear that it's, it's starting to make it into Raw a little bit. But they're not doing it enough yet. That's good. I mean, it should come back. Lucha Underground even has, like, some people that you clearly know are right. jobbers. yeah. So, Who's the the fat one? The ben, oh, the, ben, the Bengala, yeah, yeah, Bengala, Bengala, yeah. He's a, he's, <laughs> he's a jobber. Come he's on, a, he's a, he's he a jobber, win. but they treat him more like a JTTS. But yeah, I know. Like, uh, but still, Pimpinella, Pimpinella. <laughs> I love Pimpinella. I know. So Pimpinella is so much yeah. fun. No, but, you're right. I think jobbers are underrated because now a fan that started watching in the Attitude Era, let's say. Yeah. 98, 99, when all you saw was like people that were really over with the right. crowd. Everyone had a gimmick, a catchphrase, all the stuff. Everything was wonderful, high ratings. Yeah. If they were to watch a Raw from maybe three years earlier and see Mike Bell against, you know, <laughs> Bob Spark Plug Holly, yeah. they're going to be like, what is this stuff? But with, yeah, you make a good point. It shows what Holly's finisher is. Right. It shows he can win a match. I don't know what his finisher is, but maybe yeah. that drop kick. But yeah. <laughs> it shows that he could win a match. Well, okay. Well, his finisher when he was hardcore was the Alabama Slamma, if you recall. Yes, but, I know. But to, not to diverge, but I think what people don't understand about jobbers is, is that it only works in the context of watching weekly programming. You can't go back and watch a jobber match and understand why it's appreciated or anything. You have to watch a couple weeks in a row and a story build up. That's a good point. And that's to, and to swing that back, that's really why jobbers are underrated in general. People get exhausted with jobbers back then even when they were watching because they don't realize why they're there, right? And what they're really there for is when you get to the big show yep. and you've been watching these guys just demolish yep. guys for weeks. Yep. The only reason you care or know why these guys are having a meaningful match is because you saw them defeat talent yep. for weeks and weeks right on. and weeks. Absolutely right on the money, Quinn. Yeah. That is that is a huge uh, lost art, I would say. Yeah. And it might again, it might be a necessary evil because of the way the business is now. Right. 
and the way things are run. I think certainly NXT. Everybody's got to be a winner somehow. Yeah. I don't know. I think certainly NXT, if anyone, has the opportunity to kind of phase that back They really in. have done a good job. I don't mind watching jobber matches on that because I'm almost like, I'm like, oh, this is great. And like, and it's great because when you get to those takeovers, they mean so much more right. because even the guy that loses, you feel bad. It's like he built up a big streak and mm-hmm. he, you know, like what's he's got to go back to the drawing board and beat more jobbers. And, you know, sometimes he gets that second shot and he comes back and you're so happy for him. And you're <laughs> like, he did it. You know, like he beat one of the main stars. Yep, it was a genie that was very hard to put back in the bottle, I would right. say. And I think it's doable. I think it takes time, and I think they'll have it's to just keep at it. It's a time sink. Mm-hmm. You have to establish it back in the into the into I, there. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's a great way to promote talent. It's great in general. storytelling because that way you don't have guys that you know should be winning losing all the time because because right. someone has to lose. Right. And that's where the 50-50 book. And I was as they just gonna it. say it. I was. I was. I'm glad you brought that up. It's, yeah. It's the re. It's probably the only reason the 50-50 booking exists because you don't have guys that can lose. Yeah, and then you just have the same guys fighting each other over and over right. again, and, and what, winning. They win and lo- sometimes yeah. and lose others. And that's why Raw has very low ratings compared to a few years and ago. And then it's three hours, but that's besides. That's the point. really yeah. That doesn't help. Yeah. I mean, even when Nitro expanded to three hours way back even, in ninety eight, yeah, they knew it didn't work. Yeah. Everyone was like, why? But to be fair to Raw, that's not their fault. That's USA I know wanting that's... more. They can't get out of it. USA wants it because they know WWE can get the sponsorship, yeah. can get the ads, can command that premium. It can premium. lead into a program they want to play after. And that's why you can't put jobbers on that show. Right. It's it's really sad, actually. It is. Yeah. Because that does help people win. It, it helps people establish and you, themselves. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's a shame too. They have three hours. Why not fill the first two, first hour, maybe hour and a half with some jobber matches to warm up, and then you have your you 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 in a row you have your featured contest or you speckle featured contests within jobber matches. A speckled featured contest. Yeah. Nobody even knows what a featured contest is anymore. It I know. It, it kind of upsets me. Got to watch some old prime times yeah. to figure that one out. My favorite jobber, for the record, probably is Brooklyn Brawler, Steve Lombardi. Yeah, he's he, he is the best, but also the gambler. Yeah, the gamblers. But great. you know who's also a good? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna think of some JTTSs here. I always like the Disco Inferno. Yeah, I know you did. I'm never a big fan of Disco. I liked him because sometimes they throw him a belt here and there, just for goofs. They and did. It, he had the TV title. Yeah, but it would always be like he slipped in there. Yep. Like it was not like a. Yep. I think he had the cruiserweight title too. He probably did. And I think there was some joke about weight with that, and he would he would be trying to slim down. Right. Yeah. So it's like Disco was another one, you know. Like they, I don't know. It's just it was just a fun thing, and I I I I think it's not even just a fun thing. I think it's an important pillar of like how you present a wrestling program. Absolutely. And another good thing it did is you would have guys that were established. That were on their way down, like Jim Brunzel hung around for oh, years. Oh, yeah. It Jim, gives life to those older guys. Jim Powers yeah. hung around for a long time. Even Tito Santana, the El Matador gimmick, he never really won. No. He was it, a JTTS. You knew, knew he was legitimate. He was a exactly. former, they could say, former Intercontinental Champion. Mm-hmm. And they did. Yeah. <laughs> they always said that. Yeah. Because he was. And it, so it totally made sense. Right. When they would keep some, like, older talent, but have them pretty much never win. It pretty much works no matter what way you slice it. Whether it's a guy trying to get his feet in the door, mm-hmm. whether it's trying to elevate your current top talent. Yep, especially maybe after a heel or a face turn. Right. Or whether you're trying to, you know, 
pay pay it back to your older talent who maybe are on their way out. But they're still and getting a payday. They're still getting a paycheck, and mm-hmm. they're doing good work putting over new superstars. Like, either way, it's beneficial to everybody. I think you're absolutely right. I think the art of the jobber match yeah. is sorely underappreciated. Yeah, I think there's still the, 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 the jobber selling still exists, which I like. Jobber selling, yes. The idea of getting clotheslines spinning 360. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. But I do think it's underrated. I think it's underappreciated. I think it's sorely missed. I think it is something that absolutely did help. I don't know that you can put it on the USA Network um, on on our SmackDown. I don't think that can happen. NXT, certainly. Uh, Maybe the other WWF shows that there are. but Not on SmackDown even anymore either because it's live. No, you can't. But yeah, I'm going to have to totally agree with you. And all this agreeing, i got to take a break here. We'll be back right after this. (laughs) Here's Brady Boone getting set to move out against the Gambler. The Gambler has got something Brady Boone doesn't have. A game plan. No, he's got Trump. Trump? You mean like no Trump? No, he has Trump. I see. Well, we're going to find out. He's got the ace of spades up in that hat of his, and he's taking off his jacket now. And uh, that false vest, if you will. Gambler really is hungry for a victory. Yeah, Gambler, hungry man. I, I'm going to have to agree with that. And here's the Gambler. Now throw some Trump in there. Oh! oh. Back foot by Brady Boone gets the pinfall. Is your gambling out of control? Are you convinced that you can win it all back? Are you hiding your losses from your loved ones? Or have you lost those too? 1-800-GAMBLER can help. It's confidential, free, local, 24-7. No lectures, just help. Stop what you're doing and call so you can stop what you're doing before it's too late. All right, we are back for our final segment. This is the then and now segment. This is where perhaps uh, someone's perspective might have changed on things after being a fan for so long. Quinn, I'm going to tell you, this person that I'll reveal to you in a second is someone that I could not stop to see on my TV for many, many, many years, uh, including um, into my late 20s, maybe even <laughs> very recently. But somewhere along the line, it clicked. I got a couple ideas, well, but I don't know who it is. I'll introduce to you via this soundbite. Okay. Yeah. Jim Duggan, folks. Oh, man. Good old Hacksaw himself. I love me some Hacksaw. I know you do, and I'll tell you, I could not stand him for the longest time, but I don't know why. Something just clicked at some point, and I was like, man, this guy is just fun. I think it was your American patriotism (laughs) clicked. You think that's what it is? No, but I think he really is just, he's fun. He is fun. He never loses, really, which I think is funny. Yeah. But he never had a title. I like also that he's portrayed as kind of dumb. He is portrayed as kind of dumb. But... He you tries know, to shoot his two by four as a gun sometimes. He, he uh, makes the like faces like he maybe like have mental problems. Like he sticks his tongue out and stuff. Yeah, and like, you know what? He's a surprisingly good announcer at WrestleMania Seven. He's not for bad. that opening yeah, match. He's, he's, pretty, a, he's pretty. He's into it. He, you know. I thought he was going to be terrible. He comes out looking like Uncle Sam's. Yeah, uncle. He, he looks silly, but he looks silly in a like. Well, it's hacksaw. It's hacksaw. And he's not exactly like the brightest guy or anything right. so <laughs> and now looking back man i loved him as king duggan yeah when he beat haku 
That yeah. was awesome. And it's funny. I always thought the King Duggan was so ironic because he's Mr. America against like kings and all this stuff. Right. And he's the king now. I wonder if Jesse Ventura pointed out the irony in that because if anyone would have at, at that time, it would have been yeah. him. You know, he probably did. He well, Duggan kind of, he just won it. I mean, he, he, he maybe, beat Haku for it. Yeah, so fair maybe, and square. It's not like uh, they could say he didn't earn his kingship. That's true. You know? Yeah. So I used to just really never could not stand Jim Duggan for the longest time. He's, you know, he is surprisingly, the more I look back and see stuff, he's not the worst worker in the world. No, he's really not. He really isn't. I think that's the thing that always grinded people's gears about him. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I see, now that I got to see a lot of, like I was saying, old superstars and Mm -hmm. stuff with him, he, like, he makes a pretty entertaining match with even jobbers and... You know, he makes sense as a threat. Like, he's not that crappy. You could buy him winning the Intercontinental title back in the day. Yeah. He even had that good little mini feud with Shawn Michaels in 93. Yeah. He had a feud. Those were good matches. He had a feud with Shawn. He had a good feud with Savage in 89. Yeah. I mean, you could throw Duggan against any heel in the company. Yeah. He really could. I mean, and he, you could even have him throw throw him in a losing effort with a heel world champion if you wanted to. Didn't they do that with Slaughter, Slaughter. or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it works. He feuded with Andre. Now, obviously, the matches weren't good, but it was an intriguing concept. Here's the thing with Doug, and we were just talking about jobbers to the stars. Yeah. I almost like he could be and he couldn't be because when he was brought in, he was kind of really pushed, and he had his yeah. big he had his big mid card pushed. But I don't know. It's like. I never kind of considered him a jobber to the stars. He just didn't have that aura about him. No, he seemed like he was an upper carter to me. Right. He was protected pretty well. He didn't really lose much. Yeah, but he would lose to like a main... Like Randy Savage wasn't losing to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. No, that's true. Right. You know? And Slaughter beat him and stuff and like, like that. Even in the WrestleMania 4 tournament, he lost to what? The Million Dollar Man, I want to say? Yeah, there was a little bit of a chicanery there, but that was... Yeah, right. he lost to Million Dollar Man. And that's not even... You know, WrestleMania 4 is not an event um, that anyone would praise for match quality. No. But that little match that they have to open the tournament, that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, not Duggan, bad. And Duggan holds his own and... Yeah, and apparently, I haven't seen much of it. I know, I think this stuff's available on the network now, but apparently down in Mid-South, he was awesome. Oh, yeah, that's what I've heard. He was just the man. I've heard that he had some kind of legendary match with um, a tuxedo match with DiBiase or something? Yeah, they had a huge feud in, a in, cage? Mi- in Mid-South. Like, or some crazy thing like that? I don't know if it was in a cage. You're probably right. And I all I've heard about it is, like, that's what got him noticed. The DiBiase feud. Yeah. Well, that makes well, sense. Well, actually, the tuxedo match, because apparently it was, like, bloody and stuff. Like, it was different for the time. Like, it had a goofy gimmick, but at the yeah. same time, it was, like... It's a tuxedo apparently, match. It, it, apparently, it was very, like... It was very rough, let's put it that way. It wasn't your typical uh, tuxedo, goofy joke match. It, it, was wasn't, like, it wasn't Harvey Whippleman versus right, Howard Finkel. Right. It was like, no, these guys are going to beat the crap out of each other. Why were they in tuxedos? I never understood that concept. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know much about Duggan down there. I don't know. Maybe it was like, maybe DiBiase was supposed to be like well dressed, and maybe he was mocking him, or this, something like that. Here's the thing: I never understood about tuxedo matches, and for that matter, bra and panty matches. Okay. These people wrestle in their underwear to begin with, and then like <laughs> getting your clothes taken off is supposed to be embarrassing. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. Come on. But at the same time, it's like, isn't it like? Have you ever noticed this? This is a weird wrestling thing. What? But have you ever noticed that, like, when women wrestle, right? 
Now, they're wearing, like, next to nothing usually because, yeah. you know, they're in sports gear or whatever, right? Right. They're pretty much wearing broad panties, right? Yes. But when, say, they're in an evening gown. Yeah. If they're in actual broad, like, legitimate underwear, like, they get all embarrassed. There seems to be some kind of weird divide. Some, some in, delineation there. Yeah, some in, some mental divide in the wrestler's, like, psyche that, no, I'm in my underwear now. That's different. Folks, if you have any insight into this very <laughs> intriguing and important topic, please tweet at us at OVP Podcast <laughs> or send us an email at OVPpodcast at gmail.com. That's OVPpodcast at gmail.com. I would like to know. I would like to know, too. I would totally like to know. Because as someone that doesn't normally wrestle in my underwear, I can't speak to this. Right. When I do wrestle, it's in my underwear. Maybe because— But it's not normal. I'm just—I'll throw out one more speculation. Maybe it's yeah. because— the wrestling gear is in spandex. Maybe they have underwear underneath the spandex. Isn't that kind of like wearing boxers in a bathing suit? Maybe, but I don't know. I don't think they go au natural underneath their, their wrestling trunks. They're well, maybe a jock strut. Well, not the women. Not the women. Do you ever wear boxers under your bathing suit in the ocean? No, but right. I also am not a pro wrestler, so I don't know if maybe there's like... <laughs> maybe you do wear your underpants underneath your... Your underwear wrestling. I trunks. can't imagine that. I, I we, think we, it's... we'd have to have a wrestler on to know about that. Thrasher, you want to come on? Yeah, come on, Thrasher. Thanks for the Some... follow, by the well, way. Well, no, he can't tell us anything because he wears. Oh, the... he wore a skirt. Yeah. Damn. We need somebody else. Yeah, but Thrasher, by the way, was a jobber on early Raws, and as, maybe he would as know Glenn that. Ruth. Yeah, maybe yep. he would know. Yeah. I don't know. Thrasher, help us out. Yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> we Back. don't know. We're just guys in a basement. <laughs> Back to Duggan. Yeah. I think he's tremendous fun. Mm. He has a great catchphrase. Oh. Ho. Ho. <laughs> yeah. How do you beat that? He's just, you know what? He he can rile up any crowd. He's a perfect opening contest guy. He's if like there a, ever was one. He's like a mid-card Hogan. Right. He comes out. And he doesn't. He didn't even need that music. And by the way, his music is fantastic. His music's amazing. Right. But he didn't even need music before that because yeah. his music is everyone yelling ho. Yeah, it was him like, yelling ho and everyone else yelling ho. You know, sometimes I get I go around the house yelling ho. You know that just for fun because Duggan is just so great. And by the way, folks, that's ho, not hoes. Ho. Yeah, like you go ho. Yeah, Quinn doesn't yell hoes. Yeah, I don't yell hoes. I'm, I'm unless I, we're I doing keep, the lawn, then he yeah, might be like, hey, hoes. Keep it PG, okay? PG. Yeah. <laughs> it's Duggan though I mean it is there's not much to hate about him I don't what do you think about him in WCW I don't like that that don't no I don't like that he barged in during the Hogan era crony remember we were talking about crony last crony, time right but the one thing I will say is that I retrospectively was happy that they gave him the US title yeah that he finally had a title that was and, nice and the US title it's perfect He's happy. Right. He's Mr. America. He should be the United States champion. That's true, and he also had a very good match with Vader. Yes, he did. In either late 94 or early 95. He, Fantastic match. You know, his early stuff in WCW was good, but by the time we even got to even 95, 95 like, it was not... And then, then they just start embarrassing him, like I said, with the gender thing. It's like, come on. And I remember in the Russo era, he turned heel and joined Team Canada... Did that happen? That really oh. happened in like 2000 yeah, I, or something. I, that's stupid. Yeah, that really happened. They, well, he was kind of on his way down too, so maybe he was just taking whatever they gave him. I agree that he was on his way down, which one thing I can't I can't say that I like, although, again, it's fun, is like the bicycle shorts, no, like the swimming trunks era version of Duggan in <laughs> WWE. 
That was in okay. the late 2000s. There was one bright spot to that for me. He looked like a demented uncle at a barbecue. Right, but he was. St- I love that he kind of didn't miss a beat. Like he was. Like he almost like. You when he came to the ring, he looked like confident that he was gonna like. <laughs> I'm gonna just be old hacksaw and I'm gonna win and like and he just never won. Like, no. but <laughs> I I just liked how he carried himself during that time. That's all. Like he didn't give a crap how he looked. Like he really did. <laughs> and he looked like dog shit. Yeah, he looked like dog shit, and he didn't care. He thought it was he. He was like, okay, I'm coming to hit the three point stance and win this. <laughs> he looked like he just like he just got out of the hot tub every yeah. time he wrestled. Like he. he he just looked like his beard was getting trash. all shabby. His beard was weird. Yeah, and his stash was trash. Yeah, he had like the swimming trunks yeah. on <laughs> that were like all like wrinkly. He didn't care. You know, his two he, by four was moldy. Like I said, it was stupid, but it, he carried himself well. He did. He did. He, he was with, confident with pride. I I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna. You couldn't say he he kind of phoned it in at all. He didn't phone it in. No. But then again, with with Duggan, what, how many moves did he ever really need to do anyway? Right. I mean, come yeah. on. I don't know. He, his finisher was a clothesline. I think it made it more effective that first he t- went down in like a three point stance, though. Yeah, was it three point or two point? I'm not remembering. Three, three. Because why would it be three? Because he's like, what is he hitting a field goal? No. I don't remember. Because you put three fingers on the ground. Oh, uh, maybe. I have no idea. Wow. Why? Why am I like? Numbers, wow. Why my numbers? <laughs> yeah, why? Well, I'm having a problem with the numbers there, but... You're doing okay. Yeah. We're doing fine here, folks. We're doing okay. This is a podcast for you, the fans. Yeah, it's it's just... It's supposed to be a bunch of fans sitting around talking about wrestling. Yeah, just like and, you. and we would love to hear from you. Yeah. So let us know what you want us to talk about. If we don't know what it is, we won't talk about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very simple. But we will continue to do this. Quinn, I want to ask you about Jim Duggan before we wrap up here. Okay. He is a Hall of Famer. I know that. Right. Can you think, though, as much as I do think he's fun, can you really think of one good WWF Duggan match? And, again, I mentioned that DBS thing. That was, you know, that wasn't – there's no classics, right? Not that I can think of. I don't think so. But I don't think that's what he was about. He wasn't. There's – you know what the thing about wrestling is is everyone has a role. Some guys this are there. True. Some guys are there to be workers. Some guys are there to just get the fans fired up, and that's what Duggan was there for, and he did it excellently. I I'm thought gonna, I'm he, gonna agree, and I think he deserves respect for that. I, I I agree, and I feel bad that I I disliked him so much all these I years. Think you, your expectations were that he, you know, why is he up on the car? He mm-hmm. should be a worker and all mm-hmm. this. Never but jobs. You know, yeah, but you know what? He first of all, he's from a time when the work wasn't primary. It was he, the entertainment was yeah, the primary. That's true. And you know what? He people loved him. They did. They and, really did. And like looking you, back, looking so do back, I. yeah. It, so do I now. Looking back, yeah. How do you not like this guy? He's just he doesn't. He's not offensive. No, he doesn't like, take crap yeah. from anyone. Yeah, he stands up for himself. Like I said, great catchphrase. Great catchphrase. He's a likable guy. Yeah. He, and you know what? You know what's an unsung thing about him? Is most of the times the heels are always using weapons, but he's a face that comes back at the heels with a weapon. That's which is, true. Which is not a common gimmick in any way. No, it's not. I mean, I know Jesse Ventura would get very annoyed about right. the two by four, and that gives the heel commentator some fodder. But at the same time, it gives the fans who were, believe it or not, back then the fans loved faces. Yeah, 
They don't anymore. No, but, they don't. Well, because faces are assholes now. Right. But believe it or not, Duggan was unique in that he was a face that was willing to... He didn't care about cheating or anything so like that. So he's like Hogan. He's a mid-card Hogan. Hogan wouldn't overtly cheat as much mm. as Duggan would. I don't know. Fa- Doug- I, you know what? I think faces... A lot of faces were always kind of assholes. Kind of. Hogan, the character, well, was here's an the, asshole. Here's the thing I always say. I always think to myself about that. Okay. Is... If the faces are always dealing with assholes, why do we expect them to not fight fire with fire and be assholes back to them? You sound like Girl of Monsoon now. <laughs> I'm just I'm just being fair to the faces here. What do you want what do you want them to do? I don't know. Bret Hart never did that as a face. Yeah, but his gimmick was all about being a technical wrestler. That's true. He didn't need to stoop to that level. Right. Hogan was not a technical wrestler. Hogan unless, was not a technical wrestler. He, he was a unless, Duggan. Unless you ask Jim Duggan, because Jim yeah. Duggan thinks Hulk Hogan's uh, yeah. a great technical yeah. wrestler, brother. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great clip. Hulk Hogan, you're a great technical wrestler, but... Monster! You know, you're a great technical wrestler. Well, well, Hacksaw Jim Duggan does, obviously. Hogan in Japan actually is a pretty he, damn good wrestler. That That's a that's a topic for another time, but Hulk Hogan in Japan... He's fun to watch. Day, yeah, night really. Day. Even that brawl that he had with Stan Hansen in 90... Uh, he's, He's like, why is he so like good at wrestling? Like when when he's he, why can he just Hogan's a weird guy because he can just flip a switch and become a technical wrestler if he really wants. to. I know. I think he was just very smart. He worked a very specific. He style. worked to the crowd, and that's he worked to the that's crowd. how the best do the do it. And he worked to the money. Yeah, he knew what he had to do to draw a crowd, to draw a gate, to get paid. And let's be honest: in the late nineteen eighties, and Hacksaw is great evidence of it. Mm-hmm. The fans did not care about technical wrestling. No, I think the majority of them did not. Right. And you and me like technical wrestling, but... As I get older... Yeah. As you get older, you you respect the guy that maybe not is the best technical wrestler. Right. If, if, he's, if he's entertaining and... The he, Sids, the Jim Duggins, like the Akeems. We were talking about NXT recent, just now. Yeah. I mean, they do that. Like, they got No Way Jose. Not the greatest technical no, wrestler, but he's clapping and the fans are into it. Yeah. And, you know, that's what he's there for. That's his role. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's actually a really good thing to have people that just are there to get the crowd into it, right. you know? And speaking of which, I want to get our crowd into it. Let's do it. It's been a great hour, Quinn. I love doing this. Me I love too. talking about retro wrestling. Folks, let us hear from you. Tweet at us. Yeah. Email us. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe yeah. on Google Play. We're, Facebook. Yeah. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. We're on iTunes. We're going to be everywhere. You, you just watch, folks. Yeah. We're going to be on every single possible medium you can find. I think we have a MySpace now. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little old school. Does MySpace still exist? I think it does. Yeah. But anyway, let us know your thoughts. Feel free to drop us any feedback, good or bad. You know, we're open to anything. Yeah, we right? are. So anyway, we'll see you next week. Quinn, it's been great. You have anything else you want to close with? Uh, we'll see you at the next encounter. We'll see you in the next encounter. So long, folks. See ya. I got my two by four, two by four, two by four. I got the American flag, American flag, American flag. I got my two by four, two by four, two I got the American flag. Sometimes when you're getting ready to wrestle, you're in the back of the dressing room and you're lacing up your boots and you're kind of thinking, geez, this guy I'm wrestling today is going to be awful tough. You know he's over in the other dressing room. He's big, he's young, and he's strong, and he wants to make his name beat up old Hacksaw. So sometimes I do get a little apprehensive. 
But then right before I go through the curtain, I got the American flag over my shoulder. Oh!